We wanted to give you a little taste of the city that we are currently living in, the city that we love, and the city whose people we serve and pray for. And I am adapting to these bright lights, excuse me. Um, in a nation that we love and we serve and we pray for, and we endeavor to show the people of this city what it is to know and love Jesus and what it is to truly follow him uh, and his teaching and uh, what a difference it can make in people's lives to be reconciled to a God who is great and also good and also a loving father. And we serve in that nation there, and that uh, call to prayer is a frequent occurrence in our day. That was taken by an amateur but very good-looking cameraman. <laughs> who uh, just uh, We weren't intending to show it, but we thought it would give you a little taste. Um, you could see him just zooming in on a couple of the places of worship there. So please, um, don't be shy. Uh, Tim and Abby, could you stand up, please? There you go. That's my husband, and that's my daughter, and we are not scary people. Well, well actually, um, maybe I'm a bit scary. Well, actually, Abby's a bit scary, too. So Tim is not scary at all. So please, afterwards, um, if you want to chat to us, come up and, and talk to us. Um, I'm going to try to share a little bit about what we do, but weave it in to a message that hopefully may bless you. Um, I'm going to warn you that truly this message is probably only for a few of you in uh, the real heart of what I'm trying to say because I'm going to talk about how God takes his kingdom into very difficult to reach places, new places. But it can be for all of us. So if you're a believer right now, would you trust me enough to just close your eyes? Actually, you've got to trust your neighbor too. <laughs> um, so trust if you're a believer and a follower of Jesus, just, just close your eyes right now. And get before the Lord in your own heart. There was a word, a few words that came forth this morning, but one that mentioned walking out God's purposes for your life and entering more fully into his purposes. And so I want to ask you some questions and just answer them in your own heart. Do you believe you have fully entered into God's full purpose for your life? Just answer privately, yes or no. Do you believe that God still has more for you in this life? More plans? More works that he has prepared in advance for you to do? Yes or no? Do you believe you currently know everything you need to know? about what God has ahead of you for you to enter into? Do you believe it's possible 
that God has prepared things for you that you cannot even imagine right now in this life. Things for you to do, people for you to reach, places for you to go. Yes or no? Okay, open your eyes. If you answered those questions honestly, I suspect the answer is no, I don't yet know everything. No, I haven't yet entered into everything that God has for me. Yes, there are things that I don't yet fully understand. So I want to talk to you this morning about taking new ground about the challenge of entering into new places, new possibilities, yes, new people groups, new cities, new ethne, new nations, taking for us the kingdom of God, the message of knowing Jesus for who he really is, not who religion makes him out to be. And there is enough of that, so we've got to start dividing that. Um, but knowing the Jesus that was sent to reconcile people both to God and to one another, what, it in, what is involved in taking new ground? Now, you may never end up living in a city like we live in, but there is new ground in your life that God wants you to take. There's a God part, there's a human part. And there are new possibilities. I mean, you're not dead yet, right? So there are new possibilities ahead of you. Things that maybe, if you can be honest and truly humble, no matter who you are, believer, seeker, a guest who thinks this is a crazy place and I want to get out of here. Could you be humble enough to imagine that maybe there's things in store, in store for you and ahead of you that you don't even imagine right now? Can't comprehend. So if you can't get some of the heart of it, even though I wish, like the Apostle Paul, that you could all be like me in this area, not all areas, but in this area of being surrendered to the mission and call of God to take his message to the nations, then you can perhaps get something from this message about your own personal life and your family. Before I go on, a um, couple of people I want to say hi to just to embarrass you so no one look around. Um, I'm going to say hi to, is it Brendan? Uh, no one look around because he's a guest, but I, somebody told me he was coming today. And I'm going to wave hello, it's so bright up here, to um, Buddy. Hi, Buddy. Everyone say hi, Buddy. Hi, Buddy. <laughs> and he's watching online. All right. We bring everything back to Scripture because we believe that Scripture, or in Arabic, the Injil, in particular the New Testament, but the all of Scripture tells a story. Sometimes hard to understand, so you've got to step back sometimes and look at this beautiful story. But it is a story of God's love for people and his love for a diverse kind of people, his desire to have a relationship with people. It is a story of a world that because of brokenness, sin, rebellion, 
lies in darkness, lies broken, cursed, filled with all the things that no matter who you serve and who you follow and what you believe in, all the things that cause us pain, war, disease, poverty, hostility, broken relationships, a world that lies in darkness. It's the story of God weaving out redemption, a rescue mission, a rescue mission that involved sometimes one man, one woman, one family, one family multiplying, but involved finding people who believed in him, trusted him, obeyed him, and would go wherever he told them to go. If you're a believer, put up your hand and say, that could be me. <laughs> and share whatever he told them to share. And be a blessing wherever they go. A blessing to the city, a blessing to the people, a blessing to the nation, a blessing to the neighborhood, a blessing to the king, whether righteous or unrighteous, a blessing wherever they go. So that the kingdom of God had, and how do we put it, a representative, an embassy, that there would be light in darkness, whether it be among the Jews or the Gentiles, in all the nations would see his light. That's the story of scripture. I just summarized it, Reader's Digest version, for those who haven't read it. That's the summary of a story. And there are many little stories, but when Jesus came, the Son of God, we believe, in the flesh, we only know the Father through him. We only know what the Father is like through Jesus. That's our faith. That's what we believe. And it's just so wonderful that Jesus is so wonderful and radical. When Jesus came, he articulated this mission, a mission that began in the beginning of the story, Genesis, but he articulated it beautifully in multiple ways. And if you are a believer who proclaims boldly that you follow Jesus, then you share in this mission. It wasn't just for him, it was for all of us. I can't see you, you can see me. Turn to your neighbor, smile at them and say, this is for you. It's an invitation to a mission, an invitation to an assignment. Really, it's a command, but we'll call it an invitation, just to be friendly. <laughs> In Mark 16, he said, proclaim the good news to the whole world. He released this mandate to his disciples. That was to be passed on to all who follow him. In Luke 24, he said, preach repentance and forgiveness of sins in his name to all nations. And nations were not political nations like we know them today. They were people groups, ethne, linguistic groups, ethnicities, okay? All ethnicities, all language groups in the world are to hear this message of repentance and forgiveness. In Matthew 28, he said, make disciples, that's followers, fully devoted followers, in all nations, of all nations, all linguistic groups, language groups, ethnicities. And in Acts, he said, you shall be my witnesses. 
and this city that you got a glimpse of, we are his witnesses. We are proclaiming him in ways that people can see that are like attractive. <laughs> we are showing what it means to know him. You shall be my witnesses to the ends of the earth. What did this mean to disciples of Jesus? What does it mean to you today? Because, you know, sometimes we think they were just like superhuman, Marvel characters that somehow grasped things, but they weren't. They were uneducated. They had had the blessing of living and walking with Jesus and doing life with Jesus for three years. That's a pretty big blessing. But they struggled with understanding things. What we don't appreciate is how the word is ethnocentric, but, but how inward-looking Jews were. I mean, they were the chosen people. They were the recipients of the covenant. They had the temple. They had the law of Moses. Paul proclaimed it like this way. They were inward looking. The, the rules of their culture and their religion were inward looking. You can't eat with a Gentile. That's a non-Jew. Okay, if you do so, you're unclean. There's so many things at that time where Jesus ministered that were created this wall, this barrier, this chasm. And so just for a moment think, what the heck were they thinking? Right? He, he wants us to go everywhere to the whole world. But I'm a good Jew. And Jesus, you're a Jewish Messiah. <laughs> what do you mean, go to all the nations? <laughs> what were they thinking? The Roman Empire had spread at the time of Jesus to all the known world, which if you look at it today was from, uh, I'm, I'm bad with my north, south, east and west, west, <laughs> from west North Africa through the Mediterranean to the, what we call today the Middle East. It went up to the Baltic nations and over to the English Channel. And there were some things that united people, but basically incredibly diverse. You're worried about your town. Think about the Roman Empire. Incredibly diverse. Diverse ways of living, diverse cultures, diverse religions, all kinds of gods, all kinds of languages. All kinds of government, all kinds of government. <laughs> And Jesus gives them this mission, this assignment. Go to all these people and do these things. What does it take to embrace the challenge of taking new ground? What must they have been thinking? I will tell you this, if that made you uncomfortable, if you, if you get uncomfortable thinking about living in a place like that, imagine how uncomfortable they were. Imagine it. Imagine how uncomfortable 
the 12 and the 70 must have felt to think, I'm going to leave the comfort of my home, my culture, my language, my worship, my religion, and I'm going to go to really, 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 really different people. Hard to imagine, right? If you know the story of the book of Acts, and I recommend you read it, and then I recommend you read it and read it and read it and read it. It is a real kind of blueprint. blueprint. It's, a, it's a story of how difficult it was for them to embrace this mandate. So you can be easy on yourself a little. Because if it was hard for Peter and James and John and the other 12 who had walked and lived and eaten with, with Jesus, you know, it can be hard for us, right, to imagine this. They would have been uncomfortable. I remember the first time I flew on a plane, um, and I can say this, to the nation of Iraq <laughs> on a mission. And it was a true mission because I didn't particularly want to go there and it was still in the ISIS crisis in Iraq and I was going into that kind of area and we had seriously had to pray about, seriously had to pray about whether I was hearing from God. Have you ever been there? <laughs> when, you, when you feel like God is asking you to do something ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, I remember getting on the plane from Cairo, I think, and I was the only blonde. I was the only uncovered woman. <laughs> And the prayer call was going on. For me, I was uncomfortable. First time, right? Imagine the disciples. Is it possible? Is it possible that God wants you to be uncomfortable? Come on. It's possible. Is it possible that what God has prepared for you as an individual, as a family, whether it is in mission, in business, in life, in values, in beliefs, in conduct, is it possible that it's hard for you to imagine what God has prepared for you? That the gap, the chasm that lies between where you are and where God wants you to be is too big for you to imagine? Is that possible? I think it was for them. Too hard for them to really imagine, to grasp Immediately, I remember the first time, this is funny, and we love this family. We are still in good relationship with them, so I won't say where it was. But the first time I got invited to a true um, Islamic family for, for dinner, it was a lot later than I expected. That's normal for them, a lot later. And I remember I was trying to be my good, helpful Australian self, um, and uh, help the mother of the house, and I was looking to help take the dishes, which they don't usually let guests do that. And I remember going into one of the rooms that I thought was heading to the kitchen, and, and um, the mother of the house was on the floor. And it looked to me like she was looking for something under the couch. You know, so I, I was about to say, oh, can I help you? And then I realized she was praying. <laughs> That's normal. <laughs> For them, not normal for me, to in the middle of a dinner, get down on my knees in a separate room, although maybe it should be more normal. 
a little uncomfortable, right? Imagine what the disciples must have felt like. They're not Marvel characters. They're humans like you and me, given a seemingly impossible task. Paul, the Apostle Paul said that in his life, the message of Jesus spread to the whole known world. That's in one generation, less than a generation. The message about Jesus, of God wanting to reconcile people into good relationship with him and each other, <laughs> we've fallen so short, had spread to the whole known world. Well, that's just the known world. What about today? Is this still valid? Is God still possibly speaking to people? <laughs> Could he possibly be speaking to people in this room? Possibly. <laughs> Is it something that's comfortable to finish this task? No. For the disciples, the first time they actually radically, after Jesus ascended into heaven and the Holy Spirit was poured out, went to very different cultures. And they were still what we call missiologically near culture, were the Samaritans. And you know how that happened? Persecution broke out. Persecution broke out, the death of Stephen, some of you know the story, and the apostles, well not the apostles, they stayed in Jerusalem, but the disciples, the other followers, spread. That is the first account we have of intentionally going. And it was forced going and probably eight years after the ascension. Eight years. Have you ever struggled with something that God's asked you to do with eight years? I have. Not always comfortable. They went to Samaria. Acts 11, and you don't have to go there. There actually is scripture here. <laughs> Acts 11 speaks about the scattering that came after the persecution, after the martyrdom of Stephen. And it says, if you want to go there, Acts chapter 11 19 to 21, verse 19 to 21 of Acts chapter 11, helping you guys. Now those who had been scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among Jews. Turn to your neighbor, smile at them. And say, does that sound like anybody you know? <laughs> I want you to right now imagine your circle of friends. Imagine who you're talking to, who you're sharing with, who you are bearing witness of Jesus about. They were human. Right? So the majority were only spreading the message among the Jews. But some, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, and by the way, they were probably either Jews that had been scattered through the exile, so they've been in those nations a long time. They could possibly have been Jewish proselytes because there was a little bit. Some Jews would go out and on purpose try to make disciples that would come under the law of Moses and be circumcised. And I'm telling you, that is devotion. 
Aren't you glad we have baptism? <laughs> All the fathers in the house said, Amen. <laughs> but probably it was the result of intermarriage. So they weren't necessarily great Jews. <laughs> they were a result of intermarriage, probably. These men went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. What does it take to break new ground? To take new ground? To enter into new ethne, people groups, cultures, generations, gaps? Do you think in this country today there are gaps, there are chasms, there are cultural divides, there are ethnic divides, there are even language divides, there are separations in religion, worshipping different kinds of gods or different kinds of ideas. Is this a diverse nation now? What does it take? Because I am convinced we are not at the end of this assignment. This assignment burns in me. It has burned in me since the day I was a 15-year-old girl and I saw a vision of hell. And people being pushed off that cliff into hell. And all I know is that I went from a depressed, semi-suicidal teenager to somebody who knew that I have a purpose in life. And I've been trying to walk that out since then. Imperfectly, like you. My learning curve's been... And then since about 2018. But I am convinced today we face the same challenge as the early disciples. We have some different circumstances. We certainly have some added tools. We have some different challenges, but I'm not sure they're bigger than theirs. And today, if we embrace this assignment as our mission, as our co-laboring, our co-working opportunity with Jesus in the earth, then we have to know that over 7,000 nations the way it was meant, that's ethne, people groups, linguistic cultural groups, and more than three billion, everybody say that, three billion, three billion people in the world today have not heard and seen what I believe, what other missiologists, so that's actually a profession, <laughs> people that study these things believe, is a viable witness of Jesus. Can you believe that? Viable witness being, and I'll give you some of the definition, at least 2% of the population is Christian and actually Christian. We can debate that. But who have embraced the mission of that people group are followers of Jesus who embrace the mission of being a powerful, loving, servant-hearted, miracle-working witness of Jesus in their community and to their people. Many, many people 
three billion have never truly encountered that kind of witness. So it's still hard today, right? Do I have any Marvel heroes in the congregation here? Any Thors? Australian actor. Just got to pipe that one up. Any Superman? Not Marvel, sorry. Do I have any faith heroes? Does this still matter to God? And if it matters to God, does it matter to you? What does it take to take new ground? And I haven't even gone through my introduction. Is it possible that in our generation we could have similar impact? Because there are methodologies and approaches that we do because that's what we know and that's what everybody does and that's what Pastor so-and-so does and that's what Sister so-and-so does and this is what's on TBN and TV. But are they working? Is it what we see and know because it's cultural? And let do not take this as an attack because this is the human problem. <laughs> It's the problem of every nation, city, and people group that our own culture is the water we drink. It filters everything. And to a certain extent, that's okay because the gospel and the kingdom of God needs to be relevant to those around us. It needs to speak to their needs. It needs to answer their genuine questions. It needs to to find healing to their hurt and their pain. So it has to be culturally relevant. But it also becomes like a chemical additive or something that waters down or distorts our vision of the kingdom of God. Is it possible that you don't know everything you need to know right now about what God has for you to do? The disciples didn't. They clearly didn't. Church history will show us that they didn't. If you study church history, you will see that we have struggled with this generation after generation. We have struggled with how to accomplish this assignment in a way that glorifies God, serves people, And becomes the fulfillment of the promise to Abraham that through your seed all the nations of the world will be blessed. Let me quickly talk about just three things. Just three, there's a lot more, that I think are needed in order to take radically new ground to cross enormous chasms, whether it's where you are right now to where God wants you to be in your family, in your business, or whether it is the church, the people of God on mission with God. First of all, it takes extraordinary help. Everybody say, help me. me. Everyone say, help me, Jesus. Jesus. That's a good prayer. You can pray it now. It really does take God, and we can't do it without Him. 
And if you read the story of Scripture, if you read particularly the, the story of the book of Acts, you see God turning up everywhere in extraordinary ways. You see, just, just study the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts and see every word, every, every um, special miracle, every gift of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, look, they really were working together with God. <laughs> they were co-laborers to God. You've got angels. You've got visions. You've got healings. You've got deliverances. You've got miracles. You've got signs and wonders. In fact, Jesus promised it. He promised miracle confirmation. He promised evidence. He promised that if you go with me, if you're interested in what I'm doing, I'm, I'm going to turn up. Amen. So it takes extraordinary help. <clears throat> and here's the good news. God is all in. <laughs> he who did not hold back his only son is all in. And he is still doing extraordinary and unusual things. Things like the story of Peter and Cornelius. For those of you that know it, if you haven't read it, I encourage you to read it. You have a Roman centurion, religious. We don't know how religious. We're not quite sure how he worshipped, but he was devout. He was generous and he was prayerful. Sounds to me like a lot of the people we live among. And he had a visitation of an angel Come on. Uh -huh. came to him. We have in that same story, Peter, the, the Peter, who was like you and me, who kind of have heard this man today, kind of, kind of understood it. You know, the harvest is ripe and, and the workers of you, he, he, he kind of got that, but he wasn't really going about it. Hmm? And it took three visions. Repeated visions on a rooftop when he was hungry and wanting pizza. <laughs> Three visions, and you can read it for yourself. Acts 10. Three repeated visions of God saying, wake up, Peter, wake up, Peter, wake up, Peter. Has he ever talked to you that way? That's how we got to where we are today. Was I had a miracle encounter in the middle of a sermon. I'm teaching in our region and the Holy Spirit interrupted me and he said you see these people here that you are teaching now you're investing in they are not able to lead anyone to Jesus right now and I'm like oh okay am I investing in the right people hmm? so Peter needed it and every time the Lord said, get up, Peter, kill and eat. He said, no, I'm a good Republican voter. <laughs> All right, just smile. She's Australian. I don't have anything to do with that. Look, if you're a guest, this is not a typical meeting. Please come back. This is not their normal. I'm not normal. <laughs> Get up, Peter, kill and eat. No, not me, Lord. I'm a good Jew. I'm a good charismatic evangelical Christian. I don't do those kind of things. I don't reach those people. I don't go there. 
This is how we do it. No, Lord. I would never eat anything unclean. Do not say, call unclean what I call clean. Do not call unloved what I call loved. Do not call unwanted those whom I want. Might change your whole way of thinking about things. Crossing significant thresholds takes extraordinary help. Thank God for visions and dreams and interruptions. Um, And we're still seeing it. If you asked me, where is God working the most powerfully, significantly, and miraculously in the world today, I would say it is among unreached people. Because almost every week, literally almost every week, we hear stories of visions and dreams of angels, of visions of a man in white who they don't know. Sometimes they don't know, but it starts a story if we ask the question. It starts a conversation. Sometimes they know it is the prophet Isa who they only know in part. (laughs) But they know... And he says something to him. I'm hearing stories from, from hard-to-reach places of miracle healings because a man in white turned up in a hospital room and laid hands on them. And somebody who was paralyzed from the neck down got up and walked. Yes. Amen. It, needs, it takes extraordinary help. And we have an extraordinary helper. We have so many stories. An Iraqi poet. Don't share any of this. but Direct descendant of the prophet Muhammad. Who saw a vision of Isa in heaven. Open vision. Saying, come up here. Come up here. And who through ultimately, and sometimes it takes years because remember, Cornelius had clear instructions, send people there. There's Peter there. They don't always get those clear instructions. I know people that it took 14 years of trying to find the interpretation to the vision before they found somebody that could introduce them to Jesus. It took this particular beautiful, gentle poet persecution and having to leave his country before he found out what it was to be to come up here to be with Isa. We see this all the time. Where are you seeing evidence of God doing extraordinary things? So maybe there's more. Hmm? I've got how many more minutes? What? Go. (laughs) It takes extraordinary effort. I I use the term extraordinary obedience, but I will clarify that because I don't think that there's obedience and versions of obedience and levels of obedience. (laughs) I think there's obedience and disobedience. 
<laughs> there may be obedience and ignorance, for sure. <laughs> There's ignorant disobedience. There's actually ignorant obedience, but we won't talk about that. Um, <laughs> but it takes extraordinary devotion, extraordinary focus. And I'm sorry, but Jesus doesn't compromise on this one. If anyone would come after me, he must take up his cross and follow me. He who loves his life will lose it. But he or she who loses their life, who lays down their life, who surrenders their life, who gives their life away for my sake will find it. Extraordinary focus when the kingdom of God or when you are being called to cross great divides and go into new ground, new people groups, new cultures, new language, new places. It takes a tremendous push and people that are particularly devoted and focused and all in. Turn to your neighbor, smile at them, real sweet smile, sweeter than me. Real sweet smile and say, are you all in? And I just want, there's so much because we don't do enough church history and and we take our lives and our generation out of context. There's so much that you and I take for granted today. Who has a Bible either in their hand, on their phone or iPad with you right now? Hold it up. Hold it up. Who has it? in their own language. Do you know that people had to die? Do you know that we have a history of martyrs that actually enabled you and I to get our Bible in our language so that we could read it? Do you know that, you know, and it's complicated, but do, do you know that for basically 1400 years, it was in a language that we could not read, the average person could not read? Tremendous devotion. Even how we worship, how we gather. It took people willing to be reviled, to be persecuted, sometimes to be martyred. Even if we go back a couple hundred years, even for those of us that are tongue-talking Pentecostals, (laughs) just go back a hundred or so years. Tremendous devotion. Tremendous obedience, extraordinary, more than ordinary obedience to break into new ground, to advance the kingdom of God, or to enter into something that God may have prepared for you. Hmm. People willing to leave their homes and families, put aside comfort and privilege, Jesus was clear about it willing to lay down their lives, willing to make sacrifices that aren't necessarily required of us. But we are willing to do it. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 12. The Apostle Paul, speaking to the church in Corinth, which he helped plant and disciple and nurture, said, if others have the right of this support, speaking about effectively a salary, Shouldn't we have it all the more? But we did not use this right. On the contrary, we put up with anything rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. We put up with anything 
rather than hinder the gospel of Christ. Can we say that? Can you and I say that? What are you willing to put up with rather than hinder the gospel of Christ? For us, where we are, it requires lots of thought, lots of effort, lots of questions, lots of learning. We are untangling the the tangle of culture and gospel of church tradition and, and what Jesus sees when he talks about the church. We're asking questions like, what will it take for a person from Rabat or Casablanca or Tunis or, or from Hezbollah-controlled country in Lebanon? What would it take for them to follow Jesus and to do it boldly and to remain in the condition in which they were called? Which is a whole other question. Because you can become a bold follower of Jesus, but be forced to leave your family, your community, your job, your nation, your town, okay? Because of the cultural context. You might be complaining about the slide in your own culture, and I'm acknowledging a slide, but have any of you been forced to leave your town? because of your faith, and yet that is normal in our region, normal. And we're asking the questions, and we are seeing some of the fruit of what would it look like to embed the kingdom of God deeply in communities. Can't be done the way we do it here. We have to ask questions like, if this woman comes to Christ, this married woman with children comes to Christ in this context, how does she become a follower? Does she tell her husband? How does she tell her husband? Because immediately she could be betrayed to the secret police. Immediately. And many people we minister to, many people in prison, tortured, betrayed by family members, by spouses, by children, by brothers, by sisters, very common. So we ask the question, what does it look like? Does she stay covered? Does she uncover? Is that relevant? Does it matter? Can she still go to the mosque? And if so, what does that look like? Does she still fast in Ramadan? And if so, what does that look like? These are deep questions. How will she raise her children when if her family and her spouse find out that she is now a believer in Jesus, they will immediately take the children from her and have the legal right to do that. This is our normal. And so it takes tremendous effort and focus to ask hard questions. And my challenge to you, and only listen if you believe the Spirit of God is speaking, is that perhaps there are questions you should be asking. If we are to embrace this wonderful assignment. Come quickly, Lord. Everyone say Maranatha. (laughs) The Jerusalem Council, for those of you that know your book of Acts, I encourage you to read it again in Acts 15, answered some of these questions for their context. No, thank God, the men don't have to be circumcised. Everyone say hallelujah. Hallelujah. (laughs) Remember, it would have been adult men. (laughs) 
No, you don't have to do this. No, you don't have to come under the entire law of Moses. No, 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 you don't have to come through this charismatic evangelical pathway. No, you don't have to sing Hillsong worship. No, you understand the questions that have to be asked in order to reach new people. And we are all the byproduct of men and women who asked similar questions. The privileges that we have today in our worship are because people asked questions that challenged old wineskins and embraced new wine so that the gospel could cross into new generations and new people group. Amen. And lastly, because I, I need to finish. <laughs> it takes extraordinary perseverance. I mean, we could just go through how all the apostles died. And please don't be among those that think it was their lack of faith. <laughs> it was their full devotion. And it was the context and culture that they lived in that required that level of devotion in order to reach it. Extraordinary perseverance. The book of Acts, when you take a big picture, look at it, is a series of advances and pushbacks. Of advances and pushbacks. And I hear an amen from Shannon and Karen. Because wherever the kingdom of God advances, there will be pushback. Amen. We live in a world still controlled by the God of this world, by darkness. And his great weapon is deception. And we love and serve those who are deceived. But there will be pushback because it ultimately is a spiritual battle between light and dark, love and hatred. And so there will always be pushback. I believe I am convinced that the thorn in the flesh for Paul was this pushback. It was the constant antagonism and riots and criticism and, and persecution and particularly from religious people. Some of them believers. Jewish believers. Just read it. Jewish believers were a real pain in the neck. Because they wouldn't let go of their style of worship or how they met. Of their traditions, of their old wineskin. Hmm? And so, we're, I mean, they were, they harassed Paul. They even harassed Peter after Cornelius. Hmm? One of our biggest obstacles, one of our biggest problems that we deal with is not those that do not know Jesus, but those who claim to know him. But they inspire persecution. I mean, we have stories of Christian churches betraying the churches of those that come from another religion. Betraying them to the secret police. But like, can, uh, I'm sorry. Or they fight about things that they shouldn't fight about. Do you remember when the King James Version was the only version we were allowed to read? Right. <laughs> Not a problem with it. But do you remember how stubborn we get? 
how stuck we get, how obsessed with our own ideas we get. And it prevents the advance into new ground and new people and new generations. And so they will fight with us. No, you can't call the prophet Isa, Isa. You can't call him Isa. They will have whole fights about what you call Isa. And by the way, Isa is Jesus, Yeshua, Jesus. Don't fight with me about that. They'll fight with me about the, the version and the translation of scripture. They'll fight that you can't meet in a home or an apartment. Do you know what will happen to these people if they come to your church building with your cross? Should we just let them die? Or should we persevere and find new ways? To not put hindrances as the judgment of the Jerusalem Council. To not put an unnecessary weight or burden on them. But invite them to Jesus, to Isa. And to discover what it means to follow him where they are. What would that look like? Hmm. Extraordinary perseverance. Many of those we serve and love and coach, as we call it, have persevered through one particular person, 11 months of torture for his faith. A faith that no white person, no American, no no non-local led him to. He found Jesus by himself in scripture with his father who had 18 wives, was betrayed by a friend, put in prison, tortured for 11 months. I won't tell you the whole story, eventually led that friend who portrayed him to Christ. Others that we serve put in, and some of you military guys would know this form of torture, it's like an upright coffin. Put in a coffin where they can't move and they stay there for days sometimes, no food, nothing, they can't. One who the police in his nation, because of him being fruitful and because of his background where he came from, put a metal stick in his mouth and beat him over and over and over again till all his teeth were broken. Incredible perseverance. You and I are here today standing on the shoulders of people who made these kinds of advance with extraordinary help, extraordinary obedience, and extraordinary perseverance. Can this assignment, this mission, be accomplished in our lifetime? Lift your hands up. If you're a believer, lift your hands up. Wherever you are. If you're not, that's fine. Just... Listen. (laughs) And from your own heart, you don't have to repeat it. Say it in your own words, but say, Lord, is there more you have for me? Say it in your heart. Is there more you have for me? Lord, are you stirring up something in my spirit? And I believe he is for some of you. There are multiple ways you can engage in this mission. 
This church already does in multiple ways. But what about you? Lord, what have you prepared for me that I don't currently see or understand or grasp? Reveal that to me, Lord, that I may walk out your purposes. What I don't know, but I need to know, show me. I need your help. And then say with me, if you're a believer, say, Maranatha, Lord. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Say it with me. Come quickly, Lord Jesus. Come, Lord Jesus. But show us what we need to do to make the path straight, to prepare for the way of the Lord. Show us my part. Show us my family's part in hastening the return of the Lord when all wrongs will be made right, all injustice driven from the earth where there will be no more pain or suffering, sickness, disease, war, hostility. Come quickly, Lord Jesus, and help us hasten your return. For those that are hearing me and have sat patiently through this interesting message, if you do not know him, well, I long that you know him. And if the form of him that you have seen has been disappointing, then I'm sorry. You have not seen him yet. Because I can tell you, he knows you and he loves you. And he longs for you to get to know him. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Some of you just have a real, um, just as some people here, burning in your heart, burning like a fire, burning in your heart, a burning in your bones for what God has called you to. Everyone keep your eyes closed. No one looking around. If that's you, just raise your hand. I won't ask anything more of you than this. Raise your hand where you are. All right. Father, you can put your hands down. I pray for those that have raised their hand because they are truly hungry and they are truly seeking your direction. And they are asking, Lord, for you to show them Make it straight. Make that path straight. Reveal to them the next thing. I pray, Lord God, because you are more into this than they are. You are all in. Father, that you would speak by your spirit.
Speak in the night. Speak through those around them. Speak through words of knowledge. Speak through visions, through dreams. But Father, may the hungry and the thirsty hear your voice. Obey and be satisfied. In Jesus' name. Thank you. Pastor Shan. You know, there's no other name given among men by which we must be saved but the name of Jesus. No other name. And if you are one of those that don't know Jesus, if you're watching online, you respond to that too. You just say, Jesus. Jesus. Isa. That I might know you the author of salvation. You can contact us on our prayer line if you need some help with that or if please stay behind um, as we dismiss the service. But this, I know the Holy Spirit is ministering to our hearts today and, and we're here to glorify Jesus. Not any person not any church, but will you glorify Jesus with us and exalt him that his name will not only, he will not only be Lord of your own life, not only direct your own paths, but that he will truly, that we will truly together as a body exalt his name. Carolyn mentioned a scripture there that if we're not willing to lay down our lives, that's a, big, that's a big thing. But we're not playing church here. We're not playing religion here. We determine. We choose Jesus. Jesus. We may know him and him crucified. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Spirit. For those hearts that have touched, that have been called, even now, seeds have been planted. What will you do with that seed? When you walk out here, will you brush this aside? Will you let the birds of the air take that? Or will you nurture it, water it, respond to that? Lord, we thank you for your word. We say the amen to your word to us. Lord. Will you say the amen? So be it.